Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You're listening to episode 17, titled That Wabi Sabi Life. This week, I am diving into a term in philosophy that admittedly I learned not long ago, but I have started studying every day. It's one that makes me feel connected on a soul level to ancient wisdom, as if I'm about to discover the secret to longevity that only the quietest of sages can learn. Now, I'm still new to the topic and would never call myself an expert, but the beauty of this principle spoke so immediately to me and the way that I work through loss, I couldn't resist taking the time to unpack it with you. Wabi-sabi is an elegant philosophy from Japanese culture. It's a concept that brings us into a more connected way of living, both to nature and through that, to ourselves in the truest sense. It's kind of like intentional soul minimalism. And in the middle of loss, that is an idea that appeals so deeply to my overworked mind and spirit. Now, if you listened to last week's episode on grief in the new year, you may remember I spoke about finding internal alignment, heart, mind, body, and spirit. One of the bravest ways I believe we can recover ourselves from misalignment is through engaging with nature, whether that is walking barefoot through the grass or standing on the edge of an ocean on a blustery windy day or simply sunbathing. Nature contains the antidote to our high stress, to our ungodly expectations of production, and to the total disconnection from ourselves when we are looking for a way through loss. So the reason this beautiful concept resonated so deeply with me is its emphasis and embrace of impermanence. We are not here for a long time, friends. And impermanence is the opposite of perfection. See, perfection pretends that we can control the outcomes fix the future in a set way, and never experience the lack we fear. So impermanence then, and the philosophy of wabi-sabi, invites us to embrace the beauty of imperfection all around us. To engage the simple progression of nature as it ages, grows, and decays, and to consider life made manifest all around us, digging beneath what we perceive as broken to uncover the beauty within. Now, it would be really easy for me right here to go all coach language on you and say something trite like, see, you're not easily broken. You just need to change your mindset and see that you're amazing and wonderful and everything is great. But I'm not going to do that (laughs) for so, so many reasons, mostly because I don't believe you will benefit from being told to change your mindset. Wherever your mind is right now matters because it's informing you about your physical feelings, your emotions, and the state of your body. Your mindset right now is helping you gain awareness of where you are and move into your next state. We can't change or grow without observing where we begin. So no rushing forward. Wabi Sabi invites us instead into the humble simplicity of our lives. We start noticing that nothing lasts forever. Nothing can be made permanent. We find that no matter what we attach ourselves to in this life, it changes and shifts with time. So how then do we move through our lives and our grief in a way that invites us to become more present, accepting, and appreciative of the stages in our lives, even as those stages feel heavy and confusing? There are five basic principles of wabi-sabi. At its core, wabi-sabi reminds us that life is fragile, temporary, and ephemeral. 
Maybe you've heard of kintsugi, the Japanese art of repairing a broken vessel with gold fillings, giving them golden scars. You can look it up online. It's beautiful work. And the concept was really popular in my circle of American culture a few years back. I definitely read a lot of blog posts about it. The idea is that in the broken places, we can reveal the story of a thing and bring it to the surface. Our lives contain scars, pain, and depths we cannot fathom. But why do we hide them away? The principle of wabi-sabi would invite us to call every last detail to the surface. But kintsugi is only the first part of this philosophy. The second deals with our rush into production, chasing perfection even if we deny it, and harming ourselves with mental violence when we cannot perform. The obsession with being right and getting it right every time destroys the tenderness we cultivated when we allowed our imperfections to be seen and celebrated. I remember once I wrote my husband a quick note when he was going through a particularly intense season at work, and it's an old quote, do what you can with what you have where you are. But that wasn't good enough for me. I always added, and let that be enough. You see, somewhere along the road, we picked up the false idea that we are not enough, and that cognitive distortion is highlighted like a wildfire in grief. We can't meet our usual commitments, and so we beat ourselves up and spiral even further into a false identity of failure and disappointment. But in Wabi Sabi, we strive for excellence over perfection. We simply do our best with what we have, where we are, and we let that be enough. We allow ourselves to be the best version of ourselves in that moment. We seek mastery in our craft and our skills, but truly allowing for the understanding that all will fade and we are just a seashell in the ocean working our way toward shore. Big waves may undo our progress, but still we remain in the world we were created for, surrounded by the beauty of the sea. The third principle of wabi-sabi is going to create some tension in a few of you, so buckle up, buttercup. Ukitamo means acceptance to the very core of you. This is not a fatalistic, it is what it is perspective, nor is this the fifth stage of grief, which we already know is not actually applicable because there are no stages. And I'm going to stop right now before I go down that rabbit hole. Ukitamo is the opportunity of our aligned selves to recognize that we can stop our form of suffering and grow through what we encounter in our lives with grace and compassion for how long it takes us. A simpler way to say that is Ukitamo is knowing we cannot control the outcomes, but we can become ourselves and who we want to be in spite of our circumstances. We have inner character, a mountain high and a mile deep. And in grief, that inner strength learns to soften into a tender-hearted flexibility. We are no longer the rigid, unmovable brick walls. With our intentions, we become fluid, softening and surrendering to the resistance around us, even when that resistance is impermanent. The fourth principle is probably the hardest one for me. And that is to move slowly, slow and simple. Otherwise, what is the point of this life? Did we even enjoy the meal before us or did we simply inhale it without tasting it at all? 
Grief makes everything feel so slow and fast at the same time. And so we try to rush our way through the bigness of the emotions and the practical things because we somehow believe things will be better or normal or right or less confusing or less crazy on the other side. Grief is the ultimate moment where we decide to do what we want and get rid of what we don't want. When we have loss, we learn almost immediately what we can and cannot live without. If the loss is a death, we are thrust into a new shape of life. But would you rush through a brand new city? Or would you take your time to get to know the shops and storefronts of this place you found yourself? Slowing down, simplifying, and decluttering the noise from our lives makes things seem suddenly much clearer. It invites our grief to the table as a guest, as a familiar, with a chance to speak up about what hurts and what needs attention first. And finally, Wabi Sabi pulls us away from hopelessness by teaching us to embrace what we already have. One of the most prevalent cognitive distortions I encounter with grievers is the finish line or arrival fallacy. The idea that if we can simply come to the perceived end of a thing, we will be happy again and by implication, remain happy. You guys, it is impossible to be happy all the time. I think we know that, but sometimes we don't realize we carry that cognitive distortion until we experience grief and have to learn how to live with multiple big emotions at once. You see, emotions and thoughts we carry inform our body how to feel. It tells us what to experience. Should our body release endorphins, adrenaline, or anything like that? Those physical manifestations tell our body to behave a certain way, either to then avoid those feelings again in the future or to chase more of them. And when we behave in a certain way, we reinforce those emotions and thoughts as valid, no matter if they are or not. And when we behave a certain way, we reinforce those emotions and thoughts as valid, whatever they may be. That cycle is fueled and interrupted in a helpful way by wabi-sabi. We cannot chase emotional highs just like we cannot chase the physical manifestations without expecting them to eventually fade. Wabi-sabi would have us recognize that happiness is not a destination, an outcome, or a state of being. It's simply an emotion. Instead of pursuing an emotional state, we learn to see our emotions as information and transform them into an opportunity to embrace each one as enough to become content with the current state of our lives, regardless of what it evokes in our emotional selves. See, we are always quick to push through grief. I see hundreds of coaches and internet gurus every day trying to give us a quick path through the grief process, while also still saying, take your time, but we cannot have it both ways. Are there little tips and techniques to feel what we might call instant relief? Of course there are. It's ibuprofen for the emotions, if you will. (laughs) But ibuprofen fades, and if you don't deal with the source of your headaches, they'll return. To only know contentment. To become settled in your present life without perpetrating judgment or violence against yourself. This is the core of Wabi Sabi. Life is not a Norman Rockwell painting, thank goodness, And we cannot live like we have an Instagram filter for every difficult moment. But we also cannot evade the reality that we will feel heavy, complex, confusing moments. The state of both and thinking with an inability to achieve what we want and move forward. Life is confusing and really 
painful at times. So wabi-sabi means coming to grips with that and becoming content with where we stand, keeping our eyes ahead on where we want to go, and making loving, trusting, intentional steps toward our future selves with kindness. So how do you think these big ideas could help you move through your grief story in a new way? Thank you for listening to episode 17 of Restorative Grief. In her book titled Wabi Sabi, A Japanese Wisdom for a Perfect, Imperfect Life, author Beth Kempton writes, put simply, Wabi Sabi gives you permission to be yourself. It encourages you to do your best, but not make yourself ill in pursuit of an unattainable goal of perfection. It gently motions you to relax, slow down, and enjoy your life. And it shows you that beauty can be found in the most unlikely of places, making every day a doorway to delight. There will always be a new principle or concept to explore and potentially find movement within for grief. Hopefully, you are stepping into each new circumstance with curiosity and hope for something worth learning. So as you reflect on this episode and potentially learn more about Wabi Sabi and how it can help you grow and heal through what you're carrying, I also hope you'll give yourself the encouragement to embrace a perfectly imperfect journey through grief as well. One last thing. Remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. I'll see you next week.